When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined by my dude, Shove. Like, this guy, look, the beginning of our working relationship was actually back when when I was at Silver Screen and Roll, and we would do spaces, and there was always this dude who, who came up, was eloquent, knew exactly which points he wanted to make, knew how to make them, made my job so much easier. I was always very nervous to throw to, like, you know, guests on those on those shows because sometimes we get the person who freezes. Shub never did, and uh, all he's done since then is create probably the most popular post game spaces show um, on Twitter. That's the Coach's Den. He and I do the All Access Lakers show together. Also super popular. Had a blast tonight talking about dogs and the tears of dogs <laughs> in the NBA. Um, Shub, thank you very much for joining me. Welcome to the Lakers Lounge. Uh, you know, how, how you doing? How you holding up? Well, first of all, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, it was a lot, and I really appreciate all that. What I can remember about those Spaces days, you know, Spaces were new back then. I was just trying to get my name out there as some super fan, um, and you were gracious enough to let me up every Wednesday morning when I was, quote-unquote, on my lunch, and then I would get a Slack message like, hey, buddy, you uh, you back on the clock yet? I'm like, wait, I'm wrapping up this take about Russell Westbrook. So I just want to thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> You, you really came up through the fire too, because those spaces yeah. got heated. You know, yeah, those, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lakers fans were not happy back then, and uh, and and you came up, and and again, you know, and and look, I'm biased because I I didn't have the highest opinion on on the Russell Westbrook experience. So having somebody else hop up there and and uh, and make good points and make logical points and and not sit there and scream at other people, I appreciated that. So it was yeah. it was fun, and what you've built since then has been really cool and. And I'm stoked to have you here um, today on the show. We are going to be talking about uh, the Lakers beating the Blazers, beating the brakes off the Blazers. Um, wasn't necessarily like it was. They were certainly in control all game. It was never in doubt. The Lakers wound up winning. Uh, the final here is 134 to 110. So you got a nice, you know, 24 point win. And, uh, you know, it was it was a steady. It was a good, you know, it was a good feel good win there. There were some runs that went back and forth, and I think that kind of speaks to the inconsistency that we just know was a part of the Lakers' experience. Um, I have some lineup and uh, rotation questions here that we'll ask about this stuff moving forward. I do want to start because I know a lot of people are probably kind of curious about what went on. I reported earlier today that the starting lineup was going to be uh, D'Lo, Austin, Vando, LeBron and AD. I got that off of um, good sourcing. It was uh, people that I trust, multiple people that I trust all felt that that was going to be the case. Um, I probably could have waited a little bit longer to get it 100% down, but the issue is, and this is the situation as I know it, and I know that those of you who are tuning in are going to think that I'm making excuses, but I put in that tweet, just a heads up, this guy changes his mind. This is what people who work with him say about him. That isn't at my opinion. At the start of the yeah. tweet, you, you, like, yeah, yeah. I, I said like I and and I told the story. I've told the story on uh, All Access Lakers. I have told the story on your show on Coach's Den. I'll tell it again. The first story I broke when people started taking me seriously as an insider had to do with the lineups, right? 
And when I reported that, I had that lineup, that all-wing weird lineup that they had. I had that 36 hours before anybody. And it was like the Lakers themselves have wondered, wait, how the hell did he get that? And um, I, so I reported that and I had somebody reach out to me. He's like, hey, just a heads up. You are correct right now. You have this correct. Issue is this guy changes his mind. So you're going to have to sweat for the next 36 hours. And I did. That sucked. My Harrison was out there telling everybody that my legacy was on the line and all those things. Um, and I would like to think that I've earned some goodwill by reporting a whole bunch of stuff that got uh, confirmed ever since then. Um, and I would hope that people still rock with me. And I do apologize because I, pro I probably could have waited and I probably could have gotten it 100%. But even there, I don't know. I don't know how down pat I could have gotten it given the way that Darwin kind of operates. But look, at the end of the day, I reported one group of starters, a different set of starters report, uh, you know, obviously started. And, and I have to, I have to take that L, but um, I, I'm curious, Shove, what you saw from those starters. What did you think of Rui starting? What did you think? Uh, you know, uh, like how, how did you feel like it all looked again against it's hard to take anything all that seriously. Portland is pretty depressing right now, but like how, how did you take it all uh, watching that group play together? Yeah. I mean, you could go to a lot of different directions with it. I, I necess didn't necessarily had a, have a problem with it, knowing the opponent we were going up against. Um, I, I felt like Darvin was kind of sitting on a cushion knowing, uh, you know, our two stars and, and how we came off last game there, there was a lot to lose, but these guys weren't going to lose it. So, you know, yeah. the way I looked at it and kind of justified it, it was okay. Rui's coming back um, a little bit off the minutes restriction, whatever, if that still is the case, why don't we get him go? <laughs> why don't we get him going in some context against, you know, an inferior team to see if we can get his role kind of uh, implemented here offensively because we're going to need him now that he's fully back and so the coaching staff can kind of get an iteration of okay Rui's back to like 15 scoring 15 16 17 points next to LeBron um while he used to be the substitute for LeBron um let's see how we can like further his role you know that now that he's back so I felt like the starting yeah. lineup was sort of again a mini audition from a very micro perspective because he's coming back from that long uh, long delay. So I, I didn't have a problem with it again, knowing the opponent that we were onto, but I can understand fans that again, with the continuity point, wanting Vando to start again and wanting to see some resemblance of last year's lineup, even though we did have five players today that did play last year as well. Um, so in terms of frustration with Rui starting, I, I, I was at a definite three or four uh, going into this game. Yeah. I think essentially I think the thinking here and I'll, and I'll try to, you know, try to hammer this down as well, but I think the thinking is that they kind of feel like they know what they have with that lineup. And um, we saw Vando get played off of the court over the course of playoff series last year. And they, Oh, shit, you like they saw Delo get played off of the court last year too, and that's a that's a factor here as well. Part of the reason why they're trying so hard to move him. Um, but I think what they are trying to do is like elevate their ceiling, and I think they have a higher ceiling collectively when you have more space around Davis and LeBron, and you can make life easier on them that way. Um, hence. Torian starting all season and playing 30 minutes a night. Um, and I think tonight, again, I, this is me uh, analyzing, not, not reporting, but I think tonight Rui starting was a hope to like, all right, this is the most, I think NBA talent that we can put on the floor at the same time. Absolutely agree. And, and I think they wanted to see how that all fit together to see if like okay let, let's let's see what it looks like when we put this group out there and and see if it's worth like sticking with here moving forward the only thing that makes me a little nervous is that like you went with it i thought they looked fine i thought they looked good again it's like it the portland's terrible so i don't right. like I, it's hard to really gauge actually but i thought they looked fine but then you played nine guys in the first quarter and you know 
obviously LeBron always subs out early, but Rui subbed out early. He subbed out with like five minutes to go in the quarter, and we didn't see him again until there was six minutes left in the second. Um, Cam, like, you know, while the game was still, like, while the two teams were actually playing to win the thing, Cam outpaced, I think, uh, Rui in terms of minutes. Eventually, I think Rui got a couple more there at the very end. Yep. Um, I, I, it makes me a little nervous about what the rotation is going to look like. Cause even there, like in the first period, we got run without LeBron and AD uh, in order to get Wood some minutes and get Cam some minutes and get Max some minutes and all this stuff. Like I'm nervous that uh, with Cam now back, like I thought the rotation made a lot sense, a lot of sense without him. And I think they're, I'm, I'm nervous. They're going to try to force, force cam back into it at the detriment of of other guys who should be getting longer run i couldn't agree more and we were i was telling you guys on the stream when you were watching these games before tonight for some weird iteration and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to hammer this home on twitter too i truly believe like when we are winning games or have wins the rotation in the lineups throughout the duration of the game makes so much more sense and crystal clear when, when we're watching it in live action and when we're not when we're losing games the lineups just go a wire. They're so they're so night and day. We, we have there's literally games we end up losing that we have questions with the first sub at the five minute mark of the first quarter. And although it was Portland tonight, we had that same question right now because you pointed it out we brought in nine players in the first quarter. Nine players played yeah. in the first quarter, and that was the only difference that people can analyze and kind of pinpoint to that is uh, Cam came in, Torian came out. You have a new starter in. So to your point. And about being nervous and kind of worried th like that's that's not something you should you should absolutely ignore you had one sort of adjustment um which you were just able to fill in Rui for for Torian and should have just left it at that because you have a simple nine-man rotation that doesn't mean you play all nine in the first quarter AD came out with two minutes left yeah. in the first quarter for no reason left you without a center we were talking about early early second no LeBron no AD um to hold that lineup at all and it was just like you're just complete a theme of this season is going away what's been making you successful and we've had a couple good wins before the brooklyn game where things looked well paced these are our nine players playing whoever's injured is out but these are our nine guys we're going into with and there was some level of mini consistency in a three-game sample size we we're like okay everything makes sense here and an inkling like tonight where someone comes back into the lineup that's usually a good thing for a team but for us it just yeah. caused this catastrophe, like major confusion where it leaves Laker fans to question. That's not really something that should be a major adjustment for a coaching staff. Yeah. I, I, for a while and basically all season, the LeBron wood minutes have been good. Yeah. Like they've, they've been really good this year. Uh, they play well off of each other. Wood provides some spacing there. He provides some rim protection as well. Uh, Le LeBron Wood with a couple of wings, right? Like the LeBron Wood max minutes, I think. Um, if you look at those small data, but I, data sample, but it's like those. I think those those numbers are are, are very good this season, and um, and because there was so much kind of jumbling there in that first quarter, uh, and I I do think like you make the point. I think it's a great one. I think Ham when it's close, like he feels the need to inject himself into the game and inject his ideologies and force his ideologies onto a game where like, I think this roster is talented enough to just like, let them like, just keep it simple. You know, initiate and implement some, some generic principles uh, and know that like, all right, even if we aren't running a set, we want to get LeBron involved in every play. We want to get AD involved in every play. We want to get some DLO stuff. But like I I I find myself like watching this and through that first quarter because it was kind of let me look at the finals from that the final yeah it was all right so the Lakers outscored Portland only thirty six to thirty one there and it yeah. was kind of back and forth it was kind of ugly it wasn't like None it wasn't was overwhelming yeah yeah and um and I do kind of think that like Ham kind of outcoached himself there saying like we cannot lose this game. And, and I thought that like by kind of micromanaging that rotation, he actually made it kind of tougher on the guys that were out there. Because if you play nine guys in a first quarter, you have a lot of like five minute stints or even worse. Like in, 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 in I think like Max's case, he played like a, a, a four minute stint in that first quarter and then, and then got yanked. And, 
Um, it's just, uh, it, and then, and then on top of that, and the thing that I was kind of nervous about by starting Rui here, and I think if you start Rui and Torian is available, it makes more sense, but by starting Rui, that forces you to have to play lineups with both Cam and Vando. And those lineups have really struggled this year. And lo and behold, they came out there in that first, in that first quarter and, and they did, they didn't look all that great. I think the Lakers still scored. Okay. Because again, Portland's a mess, but I, I thought that, uh, you know, I understand what they were thinking by starting Rui, but I thought it kind of put them into some awkward situations that Ham only made the more difficult by playing so many guys in that, in that first quarter. Um, I do think we got to like, you know, sing some praises here. And I know that like, it's a running joke on all access Lakers, uh, you know, Delo with a double digit lead is the best player in the NBA. Uh, he finishes tonight 34 points in 34 minutes, 14 of 21 from the field, 6 of 11 from three-point range. He dished out eight assists, had two blocks, which is always funny to me. Um, no turnovers, which is kind of, you know, really impressive given how ragged the game was and how disorganized the game was. Um, I, I, I do think it's worth continuing to note that it, if and or when the Lakers trade d and I think they're aware of this. Like if you look at the names that they've that they've checked in on, right? I've reported they have called uh the Hornets, for example, about Terry Rogier. We already know about all the DeJounte Murray uh rumors. And I also know that they have called about Malcolm Brogdon as well. It's like they know that like they have to bring somebody in to play kind of the role that Delo is playing. But I think a game like this really highlights. Because Austin was fine, like 15 points, 5 of 10 from the field, 3 of 4 from three-point range. Um, it, it really highlights how vital a player with that point guard skill set, point guard mentality, uh, when D'Lo has his head on straight, like he plays like this and the Lakers look unbeatable. Um, they need to replace that. What, what do you think about like the way that D'Lo has played while all these rumors have kind of swirled around him? Listen, a lot, a very, a very minute uh, kind of people were stuck in the past uh, group of Laker fans last year after the trade deadline uh, during some lapse period periods were saying, listen, man, this is why we needed to keep Russell Westbrook for his playmaking purposes. Flip that over to this trade deadline. Now it's, there's a bigger sentiment of like, we need to understand what we're losing here. Right. And, and Delo's value to the team. We say it all the time um, that, Dilo, when he's on, he takes our ceiling to a whole nother level. We were saying this in July, August, when the contract was signed to a team-friendly deal. When we initially, obviously, we knew that was a team-friendly deal in terms of this kind of uh, season, trade deadline season. But we were coming and saying, we're like, okay, at least at that moment in time, we were committing to D'Angelo Russell as our point guard for the minute future. And when the reason we did that is because when he is he is playing on top of his game, it takes LeBron AD to a whole new level because uh, oppositions already stuck with LeBron and AD and their production and scouting report what to do there. If you're having D'Angelo Russell in transition threes, running pick and rolls with everybody, getting other people involved, getting the role players involved, getting non-scores involved in semi-transition, like the Lakers are just borderline unbeatable at that point when you allow D'Angelo Russell to play his game like this and he's on fire like he was tonight. 34th points, eight assists, 14 to 21 shooting six threes on the night as well. It's just everyone knows. And I think a lot of fan bases who low key warned us about this and we're seeing it now as Laker fans on the second round is the inconsistency is just too much to yeah. deal with for an 82 game stretch and beyond that. So that's why we're at this yeah, juncture really right importantly on the, in the, in the 16 win stretch, like that's where you really stretch, get nervous absolutely, about Absolutely in April, May and June. And so, I mean, I think the fan base kind of made that decision based on November, December. Again, is it all D'Angelo Russell's fault? Absolutely not with what you led, uh, you know, the show off with. Right. But circumstance, our rush timeline, it like you're reporting and saying, it looks like he's almost out of the door, but I mean, I tweeted it last weekend too. Laker fans who are kind of getting emotionally pulled by this sort of great run D'Angelo Russell's on, which is helping us win ball games, which is first and foremost, the concept of selling high when it comes to your assets in, in, in negotiations and any sort of business is an extremely important con concept that I feel like fans are somewhat missing. So uh, I think that's where we're headed down this road for. 
Yeah, I think it, it's tough with D'Lo because obviously the Lakers drafted him. And when they drafted him, like that first run even that he had in Vegas, like the, the, that summer league that he had right after they drafted him was so much fun. And he is this like fun, kind of happy-go-lucky, like live with his heart on his sleeve type of player out there on the court. Um, when the vibes are great, he very much like, you know, is is a is a multiplier of those vibes, you know, out there. So on fun the court. to root for when he's on. So fun to root for. When yeah, he's on. and and like the like the way that he plays too, because it's it, I think fans always kind of uh, or players these kinds of players really resonate with fans, and that like he's not an overwhelming athlete. He's a big dude. He he's big for his position, but like he's not he's not dunking on people. He's not crazy fast. He doesn't like he doesn't even shoot a jumper, right? He shoots a set shot. And I think those kinds of players really kind of resonate with fans. It's like I could see myself as that guy, even though right. I'm not six five and 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 crazy coordinated. Like I, I I think there's a lot to like about him. And and I think there there are a lot of people, whether in the fan base or even in the organization, who have been pulling for this guy. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, like, look, it the Lakers signed him to that deal. And part of the negotiation back then, I, it's it, the, the reporting on this is a little fuzzy, and the people that like that I've I've heard contradictory things on this, as far as like was waiving the no trade clause back then part of the negotiation? Was that something that they asked him to do back then? Um, but the fact that he did it, that just highlights and 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 really kind of speaks to the situation that both player and team understand that they are both in, and also like I. I don't think anybody watching or listening right now thinks that the Lakers are a championship team. They might be a championship contender, but they are like they would have to get some breaks, I think, to win a championship with this current group of, of players. And unfortunately, the Lakers just don't have very many contracts to move that can bring you back those kinds of game changers that lift you from contender to championship team or even like they're 500 right now you know like they they, they they aren't they aren't overwhelming and anybody who's like who would say who would look at a 500 team right now that we just saw lose to the brooklyn nets the other night like they clearly need a shot in the arm and unfortunately there are very few other avenues that you can take to improve this roster uh like beyond delo you know like they aren't they're I heard, uh, I've heard it, you know, from multiple people that the only circumstance they're willing to move Austin Reeves is for a superstar. DeJounte Murray is a good player. He's not a superstar. And if that's how you feel about Austin Reeves, then the only other contract that you have that can go out and get you a 20 ish million dollar player, the kind that you need to, to improve the team is D'Lo. And, and that's just kind of the situation that everybody kind of finds themselves in. And we'll see what that eventually looks like. You know, they have two weeks, two weeks and some change to basically figure that out. Um, I want to talk about the vibes in this one, though, because they really stuck out to me in that, uh, you know, look, you had some highlight moments. You had D'Lo throwing the alley-oop to LeBron that they, they got everybody up out of their seats. Um, you had some crazy shots and great offense. The Lakers scored 134 points tonight. Uh, so there's plenty of offensive fireworks to get like everybody feeling pretty good about themselves, but it really stuck out to me going to halftime. You're up 13 and everybody is just kind of like, all right, I guess we have to listen to this guy talk again, you know? And, and, um, I don't know. Did you pick up on that too? Like I, I noticed it. I made note of it in, on all access Lakers. Have you picked up on that? Like not just this one, but lately, even when things look quote unquote good, you would think that there would be a more positive reaction to those moments. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I saw you caught that as well. And I completely agreed as well. I think um, late in this one or the previous game um, to avoid the shot clock violation or to get the starters out, uh, LeBron signaled to the ref a timeout and Darwin was <laughs> off doing something else. It wasn't this one. Actually. He was standing right next to him. Right <laughs> next to him. And Darwin was yeah. busy doing something. And at this point in the season, I've never you know seen a player take this action 
you know, whether it's a timeout or challenging a call from a player yeah. in, in all my years being a Laker fan versus a coach. Um, but I have noticed it. I, I have noticed that as a fan, um, there is like, like you brought up as well, the quotes from Rui early on about role differential from D'Angelo Russell uh, praising Jock Vaughn after our terrible loss last game. Uh, yeah. LeBron on several occasions disagreeing with Darvin Ham and the players as well. Um, Austin Reeves trying to make no excuses for it when Darvin did make the excuses of having injuries as well. It's just a lot of uh, not a lot of cohesion, not a lot of cohesion you would yeah. see from a team that forget the record aside, just knows what they're doing, knows where they're going and has a plan moving forward what they're doing. Listen, like um, LeBron, LeBron is free to do what he wants. He's delivered so much uh, to this team and, and, you know, continues to be one of our great leaders. But even in the post game, you know, to like not speak on your team when you're the captain of the team and just be like, I don't know, like I just come into work, uh, you know, set lead by example and then, you know, just come back and hope we can have the best results. That's not to your point, uh, a team that knows what they're doing and is on a championship trajectory. Right. And yeah. that is all stemming from the common denominator that we're seeing up top. Uh, but like we've been saying, the the common denominator has been solidified by ownership and and in the front office. So I just don't know to your point, being a championship contender, everyone, all the championship contenders are on the same page. Every single one of them, everyone knows yeah. where they're headed. Everyone has an on switch. Everyone knows what they're doing or where they're headed towards, uh, you know, looking at the schedule, what they need to prepare for to the Lakers. It just looks like a game to game situation and adjust on the fly to these guys. And they ask themselves at halftime or midway through the third quarter, do we want this one? And then you'll figure out if they want this one, which is very, very, you know, not reassuring uh, to fans at all. Yeah, I it almost like another way to put it, basically, is that it feels like the Lakers players hold themselves to a higher standard than the head coach. And usually you need that to be reversed. You need right. the head coach to keep on kicking the team in the ass um, through more productive means to get them back on track. But like you have the head coach making excuses that the players just aren't there for, aren't, you know, don't have time for you have. And I think also, and this is something that I've been reporting all year is they're all kind of sick of the same conversation, the same talking points, no matter the situation, it's always run faster, get to your spots quicker, be more physical, uh, be more disciplined. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever might make your, make your decisions more confidently. Like, like it's all you, like you guys need to do this. You guys need to do that. And Dilo had a quote the other, I think it was today. I think it was this morning after shoot around that really stuck out to me where it was like, somebody asked about the vibes around the team. He was like, and, and like whether everybody is rowing in the same direction. And he was like, I think we all like each other. And like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um and i like i took that I, there i think there are multiple ways to take that obviously um yeah. one is just to laugh at it which is what i initially did but i think also the we is important here because i think the players are looking at the we as them and the coach as part of a different group over there you know and i don't think that the players feel properly heard and represented with the coaching staff and the decisions that the coaches make. And, and, you know, ham and look, he's right. Like at the end of the day, you got to please your bosses. I think ham, because of the amount of confidence he has that Rob and Jeannie have his back, like that's his focus. That's all that really matters to him. And I think there hasn't been enough done to get the players on the same page because a, when Delo says, I think means he doesn't know. And when he says we, I don't know if he is including Ham in that or the coaching staff in that. And, you know, again, like you beat the Blazers, it's good, all that stuff. But like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they turn around and lost another dumb game here, you know, this week, because you can't be very consistent when there just isn't very much belief in the head coach. And I think that's where we keep on finding ourselves here is like, yeah, they're going to look good occasionally. And the Blazers are such a mess. Like, man, if I was covering the Blazers, you guys think I'm hard on the Lakers. The Blazers are so depressing. But but like the the Lakers here, they pick up this win 
And I'm really curious what the what the quotes are going to be like here because I've even heard a player call a stretch of a couple wins here and there fool's gold, which again, like if that's how you're defining your success, if that's how you feel about your success, um, I, I just don't think there's very much confidence in you know from players in the direction their leadership has taken them this season. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. And one thing I do want to highlight now that we're talking about it, the difference in last year and this year is what I'm noticing is last year, Darvin Ham, a lot of po uh, post-game quotes, he would he would exude confidence and just like shell praise out to LeBron yeah, and AD like for Stanford the guy players. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially LeBron and AD for their leadership. And what that told me last year is it's a very collaborative process, him being a rookie head coach last year. And he said, man, LeBron is such a great leader. AD, he's just, you know, always going to be there for the guys to uplift. And he really highlighted the captains um, last year in that, in that collaborative process that led to, you know, a surprising season all the way to the Western Conference Finals. This year, like you're talking about, being 500 with the inconsistencies, with the articles that are coming out, coming for his head, you're not seeing a lot of that. And a lot of what you're describing, Anthony, with a lot of, you know, uh, pushback or, you know, very qualitative analysis to, to the fans being like, we got to push harder. You know, we got to be more disciplined, things of that nature, where it's very more instructive rather than, you know, you know, the team and I, we're going to like kind of work on some things. And it kind of speaks to what you're saying. It's like a, a very close to a very coaches versus players united front. When we saw last year, especially uh, beginning uh, of the playoff run, before the playoff run, I would hear new things about Anthony Davis's leadership I hadn't heard during his entire tenure here, and new things from LeBron James by our new head coach uh, that I haven't heard, you know, in his tenure here. So that that's the biggest standout to me. That I, now that I'm going back and hearing. You know what I thought of Darvin Ham's uh, discourse last year uh, when we were slightly more successful to this year, where it's like, okay, yeah, like yeah. We're, we kind of know each other now, but now I've kind of had a year under my belt. I know what needs to be done, so let me go ahead and handle this, and you guys just execute what I what we're working on here to the fullest potential. And you can see the sort of the disconnect overall. And I feel like the players' will is at the point of a lot of these wins more so than what's being drawn up in the locker room. Yeah. And, and, you know, after the, after the game, you know, you, like right now, as you and I are talking, you'll, you'll have all the videos that are coming out and, yep. and it's something right that now. I'll watch and I'll keep an eye out for it. But like, um, uh, Adele can't beat Adele on Twitter tweeted, uh, quote, watching LeBron's post-game interview, he's practically whispering and the locker room is so quiet. Never seen or heard a Laker locker room that quiet after a win wild something is up dot 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 and um and so like yeah it's just it's just <laughs> it's tough to like it's tough to even enjoy the moments that are fun right delo dropping that bounce pass alley-oop to lebron is fun you know and and beating the look the portland trailblazers have picked up a ton of like annoying wins over the lakers over the course of my lifetime they are like one of those teams i just like don't like because for whatever reason, like Damon Stoudemire would like torture the Lakers and just run circles around anybody trying to guard him. So like beating the Blazers in and of itself is always fun, but like, it just, it's just this, this constant like blanket that is just kind of hanging over, over even the excitement. And I don't know if it's because everybody is waiting to see what the team looks like um, after the deadline. I think these guys can basically pick up on the fact that, you know, the team is going to look different and it's hard to really um, it's hard to really like buy into the team concept when, you know, at least a couple of these guys probably aren't going to be around. And I know that's a part of NBA life and all of that, but I don't think like going into this trade deadline there, you know, the Denver Nuggets don't think that a starter is about to get traded, you know, going into this deadline, the Boston Celtics don't know that a starter is going to get traded in the way that the Lakers probably know that D'Lo is going to get traded. Um, and I, I think like that, that kind of vibe, that tension is, and you, you add it to, I think some of the questioning of the leadership um, and the coaching leadership. And I just think like the, 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 the team is in a weird spot right now. And I don't know what it's going to take to break them out of it. I don't know if it's going to be that whatever trade finally and eventually happens, I don't know if it's like 
you know, I, I was hoping that that like, you know, with all of the reporting, Ham would kind of have his come to Jesus moment. And apparently he did open up communication between him and the team, but we didn't see any change in behavior, which, you know, isn't great. You know, it's like he, he heard what they had to say and moved on. And, and I think like, that's almost worse than not communicating because it means that you're like, Oh, you heard me. And it just, I just don't matter. You know, like I have my notes here on how this is going and it just doesn't matter. And, you know, when I reported today, that the Lakers starters were going to be last year's starters. There was like palpable excitement from the people that I was talking to. They're like, finally, not, not fans, not the people that like responded to the tweet that I sent. I mean, like people in the organization were like, all right, finally, let's go. And, and they were like, you know, obviously they always are rooting for success from the Lakers perspective. But I think there was like a, there was a sentiment of like, all right, this has to work to prove to this guy that they can go back to this and really start building on last year. And then when all of a sudden, and again, it's not nothing against Rui, you know, um, and he is fortunately one of those like six that came back from last year. And I do think that there are some like legitimate, like explanations why they would start him in this spot. Yeah. Um, But I, I do like, I, I do think that there was that, you know, palpable kind of disappointment when they didn't start the got those six or those five guys that started en route to a, a, uh, a, a Western conference finals berth that came out of nowhere. And, and again, like I, I, they have been waiting to build on that all year. They were sold on, 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 on um, sustaining success and building on success from last year. And it just hasn't happened. And then to like go away from it again today, uh, I, I think there were some people in that organization who were kind of bummed by how it played out and we'll see, like, you know, we don't know how long Torian Prince is going to be out. We don't know how long that, uh, you know, like what the minutes are going to look like with, with cam now back, you know, he didn't look good. Um, let's see. Cam was, well, he's a plus 10 in a game that the Lakers won by 24. Um, he went five of eight from the field over two from three point range. So, like he looked fine, I guess, but, it's just, it just, it feels like it comes at the, at the um, detriment of other things around him. And, and yeah, I'm really curious where, where things play out from here. Um, let's look really quickly at the week ahead and get everybody out of here with that. The Lakers next game is on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday against the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers sitting currently at 27 and 14, the Lakers at 22 and 22. Um, the thing, one of the games that we thought was really going to turn things around was the fact that they beat the Clippers. Uh, I, I think they're pro- probably go- going to get the absolute best from them this time around on the Clippers home court. Um, and then from there, you know, the, the, the Lakers schedule gets a little bit tougher. This was the, the kind of run that you were hoping that they would really kind of stack yeah. some wins on. How confident are you going into that Clippers game? Oh, the Clipper game, I'm not sure. The games after that, very much more confident. The Clippers game, I feel like we're going to get their best shot. I, I would not be surprised uh, to see the <laughs> that gas kind of run out midway through third. That's kind of my inkling. But again, we play up and play down to anybody. So I would not be surprised if Lakers yeah. you know, stuck it out till the end, in a sense. And just to real quick go back to your last point, the D'Angelo Russell quotes are coming coming out. Um, D'Angelo Russell in his last five is averaging 27 points a game. If you had the player's name, you would have thought that's a superstar. 27 points in the last five games. And I thought he had a great quote right now. D'Angelo Russell explains that part of his recent uptick in play, averaging 27 last five, came from the recognition that the best way to compliment AD and LeBron is to be aggressive rather than to defer. So I thought that was really interesting. Maybe like, yeah. you know, a, a couple of minutes too late. And there is a viral video going around. Uh, D'Lo was sitting on the bench before they went to the locker room and he's just chilling with Austin. And he's just kind of people are claiming he's like uh, emotional and stuff like that. He's just looking off uh, after we won the game, looking off in the court. And there's some very vulnerable kind of moments looking at that. I quoted it myself and saying, you know, he's literally been through hell and fans are just, you know, knowing what's coming and stuff. So. And combine that with your quote about the locker room being quiet. I don't know what's brewing. Obviously, if there was something in the works, I don't think he would be in the game. Um, but maybe he knows something we don't. But it's th- there is something going on, uh, even in a meaningless win against the Blazers. So I just wanted to add that. 
This is uh, a video that the <coughs> well, this is a screen grab from a video that the Lakers sent out after the game. Um, this is Rui walking off of the court. This is what he looked like in the tunnel. That guy looks happy to you, Shub. Yes. They just won by twenty-four. That guy looked happy. Man, oh man! It's not look at him. Fun. Yeah, dude. It looks it, yeah, it, it like, looks like a. It looks like AI. Miles. It doesn't yeah. look like Rui. That doesn't look like normal Rui. I've never seen Rui not smile on the court. <laughs> right. Like normally when he throws up the LA, real. he like his light, his eyes are on fire. He's like, I can't recognize Rui be in that. LA. Like a, a deep fake. Um, or yeah. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to pull this and I'm going to try to filibuster uh, while I, I, I try to throw this up yeah. on, on, on the channel here. But like, it's just, it's just, you know, example after example of these guys like walking off again they did they just won they blew out the portland trailblazers by 24 points like it's a it's a it's a nice feel good win and and um for whatever reason it just doesn't it doesn't look that way with these guys as they're walking off i'm not going to play the whole video here of lebron's like i because the, the reason i'm doing this i've been waiting to find the video and waiting to pull up the video um, to be able to build off of that that tweet that I read on the air, but um, I, I was able to the, the Spectrum finally tweeted out a clip of LeBron's post game um, interview, and it's done here at his locker room. It's it's literally yeah. buffering right now on the on yeah. on the on Streamyard here. So once that's up, I'll, I'll pull it up. But again, like it's just a lot of uh, like even in these good moments, it just doesn't feel. Like it should. Here's here's LeBron. It's a three-minute clip. We're not going to sit here for three minutes. It's been on a roll the last five games. 34 points, eight assists tonight. What are you seeing from him out there? Uh, just being aggressive, looking for a shot, you know, and, uh, you know, we keep, continue to try to, you know, find him, especially in transition, um, you know, where the defense is flat and then he's, like, trailing. Uh, he's shooting, just shooting at a high clip right now, and uh, it's good. It's definitely really good for offense. 35 fast break points. That's a season high. How much easier does that make it for you guys? Well, the only way to get fast break points is defend, you know, and uh, defend without fouling. We did that, and um, you know, it allowed us to get on the break and execute. I, I for those who were listening on audio, um, even McMenamin just now notes that he like shook his head. He's looking down while he's talking about all these things. Just one. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, Shub, like, what are you taking away from that? I. Again, like he's he's complimenting D'Lo and he's praising the way that D'Lo is playing and the way that he shot in this one and stuff. But the whole time he's doing, he's kind of like looking down and and McMenamin notes that he kind of shaking his head while he's answering that question. They just won by twenty five points. What is going on? I don't, I don't know. I just it just adds to what I've been saying. Like like LeBron, <clears throat> unless he's certain like things are going the right way. Like he's, he's not going to waste time with the media. He's not going to mince words. He's been doing this way too long. He knows when, when a ship is not being, you know, swung the right way, you know what I'm saying? And everything we've talked about on this show, he is well aware of that. We've covered Darvin Ham. We've covered D'Angelo Russell. We've covered Rui Hachimura. We've covered Cam Reddish's role. He knows everything that's going on. And he has a certain way that he wants things or he would prefer things as the captain of the team and as the franchise player to be able to run knowing how much success he's had in the league. However, because of the narrative, because of his label, because of LeGM being out there, he is forced to suppress his kind of uh, opinions out there. And all we're left with is kind of these other head coach kind of praises uh, on the timeline, yeah. on the Twitter timeline, or in, in other post-game interviews as well, talking about Ty Lue and how he runs his ship over there uh, across the hall. That's all we're left with for people to sort of dissect and stuff. And other than that, I mean, he's just kind of, you know, just held, just held to that, twiddling his thumbs because he's not, I feel like he's not allowed to speak up on his own team. And yeah. it's just, we got him towards the end of his career, but it would have been nice, at least as me as a fan, to, I think he's earned the right to be able to voice his opinion internally um, amongst the guys, have some more reign uh, to his head coach, have some more conversation with Rob Palenka and be able to, you know, voice his opinion in the right way that he knows can turn a team around and not be 22 and 22 when you were listed as a championship contender back in August. The last time he did any of those things, the front office leaked like crazy that it was all his fault that they traded for Russell Westbrook. When I am here to tell you, and I have been telling you all along, that was very much a Rob Polinka move too. 
So like, I also understand why he would be kind of distant on these things and not want to. Now it was hilarious the other day when he said like, I don't, I don't, I don't like putting my teammates names in the trade. Yeah. LeBron, come on, yeah, you know, uh, but, but, but I, I, I do kind of think like, you know, when, when, when you watch this and, and um, I do think there's a big difference between a team preparing for like a, a normal contender preparing for the trade deadline and what the Lakers have gone through basically for the last like three years where, uh, you know, a couple of years ago they traded for D'Lo the, the, in the, in the summer prior. And it was a disaster basically from the get go. And uh, everybody knew that they made, they had to make a trade to fix it. They chose not to because they didn't want to give up draft capital just to move uh, Russell Westbrook. So you go through that trade deadline um, and that wasted season the following year you go through the entire off season thinking, okay, for sure. They're, they're, they're going to trade Russ this year and, and they can have a full training camp and they can do all these things. They don't wind up doing that. They wait until midway through the season and they force that la that group that came together last year to go on the crazy run that they went on. And fortunately, look, they did. Those guys they did go on that kind of a run. Did. And that's what it looks like when you have role players who make sense and are bought in to the team concept around LeBron and um and then like their reward for it is right back here where the only players i think who can confidently say they are going to be lakers beyond the trade deadline are ad uh lebron reeves and vando that's it everybody else is has people in their camp who are reading these trade rumors to see what the returns on them might be or if they are going to be Lakers here moving forward. And I just think that has to be exhausting. You look at you look at every other like main championship contender, and there's a core of guys who know that they aren't getting traded. Nobody in that Denver locker room that like especially in their starting five thinks that they are they're, that they're getting moved, right? Whether it's Yoke, uh, whether it's Murray, KCP, Aaron Gordon, or Michael Porter Jr., those guys know that they are there. They are nuggets and they are going to continue to be nuggets. Boston, you can go. Yeah, you could like Boston. Same thing. Phoenix, I think, is a little different because like you have three superstars. So you got to like turn whatever you can, whatever. And and I think you kind of see that in their locker room, too. Right. Where like their vibes this year haven't been immaculate. And I think like these teams that, you know, operate like a 2K general manager or a fantasy basketball general manager. Like, I think that does kind of wear on them. And I yeah. think this group here. I don't think it's all this. I do think the, the 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 whole coaching situation is a big factor here. But you for damn sure can't have both of those things going on, right? Yeah. It's like when you're in the ER, you can have one major organ go out. But once the second one goes out, that's when the oh, doctor's oh. like, yeah, you should probably start saying your goodbyes. Yeah. You know? Options are kind of out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, like, like one, you can, you can have like some, you could have liver failure and you, you know, a lot of people die from it, but like, yeah, you can you like there's a chance, but once you have liver and heart failure, there's <laughs> it's over. It's just done. And I, I do can. kind of wonder if we are reaching that breaking point with this team where coming off of this win, this should be like this should be a group that should be like, you know, enthused and stoked. And hell yeah, all right, let's get back to it. Let's go on this run. But everybody's just kind of like, Yeah, no, we we know what's coming. Yeah, and that's and tough, it, you know. And it was it was the same thing as last year too. And the thing is, we cannot. We would be naive as fans to guarantee a twenty-two and seven a post trade deadline run for the second year in a row. Whatever they went on, uh, excuse me, sixteen and eight after the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, again, that would be foolish to assume so. So again, yeah. as we saw twelve months ago, everyone's on pins and needles. I remember Russell Westbrook had a decent playmaking stretch off the bench last season. However, the games preceding the trade deadline played absolutely awful because he knew it was coming. Like, that's not even his fault in, in, in the first place. I think all the players that got traded sort of sort of checked out already as well um, because they knew what was coming at the end. And so, I mean, credit to D'Lo. He's staying professional like he's been, like, you know, throughout this time and doing the best that he can and making the most of his opportunity and, and coming to work and playing. But it, it just sucks when the uncertainty is there. And the uncertainty is because – so many people were not able to do their jobs, D'Lo included, right? And so yeah. now we have to go through a stretch where people can call it a marginal upgrade or not. People can call it an upgrade, this, that, and the other. But again, 
like when those new players come in, nobody's going to, you know, feel bad for us. We have the same coach who's been certified that his job is here to stay, but no training camp with, if you put a gun in my head, maybe like through two or three new players come into this team on February, they got to figure it out. They got to figure their yeah. role mid season. Oh, and by the way, you got to make up from being 10th place in the Western conference because you were 22 in uh, 22 or probably 500 by the time you come in to a place where you can make the playoffs confidently and win multiple, multiple rounds. So yeah, this is the predicament we're in again. And I think that's why to your overall point, there's not a lot of celebrating going around in the 24 point win. Yep. All right. That I think is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers lounge, a successful debut for Shub. This has been an absolute blast, man. It's tough fun. that, you know, fun. you have the coaches done den going yeah. on at the same time that I'm doing this, uh, but on nights that you don't, you're always welcome here. Um, I got, I got, I got to start bringing you on just as a guest. That's what I'm going to start doing is, is not relying on just game nights to do it. Now I'll, I'll start reaching out. We'll start doing more of this stuff. Uh, if those of you enjoyed it, enjoyed shove on here, make sure you guys are tapped in to the coaches den with our dude, Rome. He's great. Everybody over there. I had a blast the other night, uh, jumping in there and, and, and talking with everybody there as well. Um, if you enjoyed this or you enjoy my and Raj's interactions, or you enjoy my and Aaron's interactions, you can catch more of that stuff on all access Lakers. That's playback.tv slash all access Lakers, where you can tune into that stuff. Um, again, I like I do. I want to be clear here because I hold myself to a really high standard, especially on something that I'm just trying out. Like yeah. my reputation is more on the line with like than, than like general people who, who go out and try and do this stuff. Um, I do feel embarrassment for the fact that I got today's lineup wrong. And it is something that I am going to check in on and make sure Very I true. don't that doesn't happen again. But um, what I will say, though is that as I find out more about that situation and as I, I I see what may have happened there, I will fill you guys in. Like this is this is the nice thing about uh, not being a traditional traditional journalist. I am going to uh, you know allow you guys behind the scenes to see how some of this goes down as well. So uh, if that is something that you're you're interested in, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, comment all that good stuff and uh, we will be back here. Uh, let's see what's today. Oh, Aaron's going to be on tomorrow. Uh, by the time you guys are listening. So, so hit subscribe, whether, where, wherever it is that you get your pods, follow Shub on Twitter at OVO Lake show. I'm at Anthony Irwin LA. And until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Shub, my dude, Shub. And we'll talk to everybody tomorrow. Thank you guys. <laughs>